Amen. I, uh, <clears throat> I grew up in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And uh, if you've been coming to Relevant Church for a while, you know about Berrien Springs, Michigan. It's, it's, it's become famous at Relevant Church because you, you've heard about the rough streets of Berrien Springs and, and the gang I started in Berrien Springs. You'll learn about that later on. Berrien Springs is a town of 8,000 people during the school year. When the school year is over, it goes, goes back down to like 3,000. That's, that's how small it is, right? When McDonald's came to Berrien Springs, it was a celebration. It, it made front page news. McDonald's has arrived in Berrien Springs. I, I know you guys are like, so? You got to visit Berrien Springs. There was only one stoplight growing up. So when someone says, meet me at the light, then you, you, exactly, you knew exactly what they were talking about. Small town. And, and you know that you're from a small podunk town when you have to give reference to another city to tell people where you're from. People say, where are you from? Where, where in Michigan? Where on the glove? Oh, I, I love Detroit. Like, no, 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 I'm four hours away from Detroit. I'm 20 minutes away from South Bend, Indiana. Like, South Bend, Indiana. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm like, Notre Dame, Notre, you know the football team, Notre Dame? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where is that exactly? I'm an hour away from Chicago. Oh, so you're from Chicago. Okay. That's how normally my conversations go. Now, now when I travel somewhere else and people ask, where are you from? And you say, Riverside. They're like, oh, oh, uh-huh. San Bernardino, Orange County, Corona, right there next to Grand Terrace and, and Colton and, and Moreno Valley, right there, just kind of nestled in there. They're like, yeah, where is that? Uh, 45 miles inland from Los Angeles. Oh, you're from Los Angeles. <laughs> See, growing up in Berrien Springs uh, was one thing, but we always used to make fun of the people who were from Berrien County. Because already we're in Podunkville, but when you're in the county of Podunkville, it's, it's even worse. The gospel of Jesus Christ coming into this world, he comes to a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is not an important city. It's not Jerusalem. It's not Jericho. It's not any of these brand name cities. It's Podunkville in Israel. And so the text that we're going to look at today says that, and in the same region, when you see region, what it's saying is this. It's saying in the same county of Bethlehem, in the same Podunk county, were these shepherds. It says, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. We don't get the names of the shepherds. They were just shepherds in, an, in, a, in a very unimportant region of the area. These shepherds were doing their job. Now, the thing about being a shepherd is that, um, uh, Chris, a lot of people like to have this idealistic look and view of what shepherds were and what shepherds did. If you, were, if you grew up in church, maybe you were part of a nativity uh, uh, Christmas play. Anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Just I, We want you to be still be respected. Matt was several times. Um, if you were ever like part of a, a, a play like that, maybe you were a shepherd and, and, and the idea of being a shepherd was, was awesome and, and we recite things like, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have this view of, of shepherds that's, that's idealistic, but in their context, in their day, being a shepherd was not a job that you aspired to. It wasn't a job that you, you like, a kid is, you know, growing up and thinking to himself, when I grow up, I want to be a shepherd. No. No. Nobody thought that way. It wasn't a job you aspired to. It was a place you ended up. When all options had been close to you, you could become a shepherd. 
Well, when you had a choice, either serve time in prison or become a shepherd. That's when you became a shepherd. You know the jobs you have to apply for. Like, you know, you write your applications. You, you call your friend and say, hey, you might receive a phone call from this place. because I, I put you down as a reference. So give me a really good reference. And in the back of your head, you're like, I know you, dude. Anybody ever, anybody ever get weird? Like, you put me as a reference? Oh, man. And you think to yourself, how can I tell the truth without lying <laughs> about this person? He's really nice. <laughs> what would you say about, he's really nice. <laughs> Nobody filled out applications to become a shepherd. You just showed up on the job and says, we got another one. Get to work. Shepherds were disconnected from their family, disconnected from their community. When you became a shepherd, you no longer could go to the temple and worship because your occupation made you ceremonially unclean. And so therefore, um, in a a place where the temple life was the the centerpiece of everything that, that, that revolved around that community, that meant that you could not go to a place and access forgiveness of sin. So your relationships horizontally were broken in that you were cast off and cast away into this place. You cannot come and just, you know, get off work at eight and be with the family. No, you were a shepherd 24-7. And then second and more importantly, you were cut off from a relationship with God. You couldn't go to the temple and give sacrifice to receive forgiveness of sin. There were broken people. The text says that these shepherds who were restricted from community, were in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. It doesn't say that they were in the field studying scripture and, and having a, a debate on theology, man. They weren't, they weren't sitting there thinking about different systematic theologies and, and maybe the, 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 the uh, son of David, the Messiah, will come this way. They weren't thinking about that. They weren't studying the Bible and, and trying to live holy lives. They were stuck where they ended up. And the text says that they were keeping sheep by night. Now in the Bible, whenever you see the imagery of night and day and and, and light and and so forth, the imagery that God's trying to give you is is the imagery of darkness and and the the bondage of sin. Uh, In in the Gospel of John, he says that, you know, uh, in him there's no darkness at all. and, And it talks about how Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and then the same type of words that follow after that is, I am the light of the world. It's giving us this, this contrast. There's darkness and there's light. These shepherds were in an occupation where they, were, they ended up stuck in this place where they're broken in real horizontal relationships and broken from a vertical relationship with God. And they're trapped in darkness. Trapped in darkness. Right? My first The first idea that I want you to kind of get from our message is this, is that the message of the gospel, the message of Christmas, is that God saw that we were trapped in darkness, stuck in a place where we ended up. We didn't aspire to be born in sin. We didn't apply to be trapped in our our despair. However, we were stuck in that place, in our darkness, and in order for God to heal a broken place, he entered the broken place. He entered the dark places. In order to bring light to darkness, he enters darkness. That, that, that's, that's, that's like amazing, like, my goodness. 
good news, I want to preach type of good news. Like, you know, th this, is, this is the stuff that makes Jesus relevant right here. Because, see, all kinds of religions don't have a deity or a God that steps into darkness. They have a God that is stuck in his holiness that says, come, ascend to me. But Jesus takes on our likeness, humbles himself. I, I mean, I think Colossians puts it this way. He says that though he was exalted by the angels, worshipped night and day, completely exalted, he, he did not consider that in order to save us, that he took on our likeness, disrobed himself of his glory. And now, I, I'm, I've been accused of being bougie. If you don't know what the word bougie is, it's you know, urbandictionary.com. It'll help you out. Google it. The, uh, the testament to that is that I went to Nordstrom to look for an ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> Who would do that? I mean, but I got it for 15 bucks. See, the Lord always provides, even in Nordstrom. Um, I can't imagine disrobing the goodness that's surrounding me in order to go save anyone. But that's what God does. He contextualizes himself to reach the lowest of the lowest. I, 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 we, we bought a house a, um, uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, and it was a new build. And, um, you know, when, whenever you buy a new build, just some advice to those of you, those of you who are looking for a home. I, I think you should buy a house that's already been built and people have lived it. Because they've done all the improvements already, you know. You know, when you, when you go to a house, like, you know, they have the model home, and the model home has all this furniture already. It's like, it's like oh, my goodness, the paint is amazing. And, and you see all this stuff, and then they tell you, oh, that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. Oh, you want windows? That's an upgrade, too. <laughs> so we buy this house, and, and we, we move in, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I got I to gotta do a backyard. I got to do all these things. And so I became Bob Vila. Some of you guys remember Bob Vila? <laughs> And I started spending time at, at, at Home Depot. I started spending time at Home Depot. And, and what happens when you go to Home Depot is that you, you'll see a group of men standing outside of Home Depot waiting for someone to hire them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Imagine with me. Barack Obama has an important announcement that's going to change the way that, that people who live in Riverside, Moreno Valley, Colton, the whole state of California, it's going to change everything. And in order for him to announce it, he doesn't go to the Mission Inn and gather up all the important press uh, uh, personnel to come and receive this. Instead, he drives to Home Depot and finds some guys hanging out outside and says, guys, gather around. I have some good news for all Californians. And I'm, I'm going to have you guys be the first people to tweet about it. This is what's taking place. In verse 9 it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Let's, let's read this so that you get it into our full context. Because, you know, the way you say something changes everything, you know. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Is the emphasis that you need to have. These shepherds, disconnected, 
rejected, the lowest of the lowest. No one trusts them. They are not the ones who went to theology school to know anything about the angel of the Lord and, and about the Messiah coming. They don't have a context for that, but the angel of the Lord appears to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Uh, There's a guy by the name of Moses in the Old Testament. Some of you may have heard of him. Pretty important guy. Um, Moses was the guy who um, uh, he, he kills an Egyptian and then goes into hiding for 40 years, and then one day he's tending some sheep, and and God shows up in a burning bush and speaks to him and says, I'm using you to go back to Egypt and, and to let my people go. And, and he's stumbling and he's stuttering. He's like, I, you, you can't use me because God never uses perfect people. Come on, somebody to set you free right there. Uh, and, and he says, go into Egypt. So Moses goes into Egypt, stands before the most powerful man in the world. And, and God uses Moses to redeem his people Israel out of Egypt and he leads and, and helps birth this new nation. Moses is the one who goes up to the mountain and, and, and meets with God, has a conversation with God. And, and, and it says that uh, he's the one who receives the Ten Commandments, brings them down. He is a big deal. Little kids in Bethlehem have Moses pajamas on. <laughs> he is well respected. Moses, the man who, who heard God's voice, who, who, who delivered God's law to the people, who helped birth the nation of Israel, he begs God, God, show me your glory. And God says, nah, fool. You can't see my glory. But I'll pass by. And after I've passed, you can see what, where I've, the, the place where I've been. Moses, a holy man, a mighty man, used by God, couldn't see the glory of the Lord. And God finds these Home Depot workers who none of us would say would ask for political or theological advice. He shows up to them. And not only does he show up to them in the angel of the Lord, but he says the glory of the Lord was shown all around them. So they're here looking around like, oh my gosh, oh my, I, I, want, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to ask one of them. I am going to ask one of them. I'm like, okay, when, when this happened, which one of you peed on themselves? Because I mean, I've never seen an angel. Never. Like, except uh, Michael Landon, Highway to Heaven, Mandela Reese. Uh, Touched by those are the only angels I've ever seen. But imagine being someone who's not religious, having an encounter with an angel. I have a friend who I've been, uh, he's like, there, there's several people in my life um, who I purposely have relationship with simply because I believe that God's going to have a redemptive uh, uh, experience in their life. And, and I, I am there to be with them, to walk through life with them, just simply to just to have a ministry of presence. Because one day I, I'm praying and believing that God is going to save them. I just, I just have several relationships like that. So there's this one guy in particular, his name is Bill. Bill will not come to Relevant Church. Bill does work for Relevant Church. 
I contract his services all the time. I tell them all the... He knows everything about what's happening at Relevant Church. But he says, I'll never come. And I'm like, why won't you ever come, Bill? He says, it's for your safety. I'm like, it's for my safety. He's like, yes. If I walk into to Relevant Church, the place will catch fire. People will spontaneously begin to combust. Because I am the worst. You don't understand the things I've done. You don't understand how I feel about God. And, and, and if imagine an angel of the Lord showing up to Bill. The first thought would be, OMG, it's over. Which angel are you? Angel of death? Welcome. I've been expecting this day. They're filled with fear. Why would you show up to us? We're not the chief priests. The angel tells them this. He says in verse 10, says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The thing about living in, in Riverside, in California, in the United States, in the world, is that news is relative. Good news is relative. I'm going to take off the pastor hat. Let's just be real. There it is. I'm just talking to you as a human. Let's just be real, okay? Just look straight at me. Don't don't look at the person you came to church with because you probably happened with them. You don't want to be labeled a hater. But you ever been in a situation where you've been believing and praying God, praying to God for like, you know, a, um, a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And, and, and you're just like, Lord, just send me the right person and and just, Lord, send me the right... And then, and then your, your, your girlfriend calls you. She's like, guess you'll never guess what happened. He asked me out. And you're like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> oh, so this is so amazing. Oh, my goodness. Tell me everything about the date. You know, you just call it... Oh. And in the back of your mind, you're like, this girl, she... They only... Or you, you've been praying for a job at In and Out Burger. Like you just, that's, you just like, you just need, you'll take anything. And then the person calls you up and says, dude, I got a promotion at, at work. I, I 40% raise, year end bonus, company car, um, uh, housing allowance. I mean, they're going to pay for my kids' tuition in college. I mean, this, this is amazing. Like, I, I never knew. Like, they, 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 they gave me like five steps above where I'm, I'm at right now. It's incredible. And you're looking at them saying, oh, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is amazing. Wow, I'm so happy for you. We should go out and celebrate. Not. Walmart moves in. And you're like, praise the Lord. I can go to, I can go to Walmart at 1 o'clock in the morning and look at weird people now. But for the small business owner... He's scared because everything he's invested his life in is now down the drain. The news that we get on earth is relative. And, and what the angel says is, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news that is of great joy for all the people. Everyone is going to be celebrating rich people, poor people, Republicans and Democrats. 
Everyone can walk in and say, this is finally the solution that we've all been praying for, hoping for, longing for, thirsting for. This is good news for all the people. And the thing about it is that when I read this, I can't help but think that this is the first Christmas card that was ever sent. The first one. You know, in this season, I, um, I'll be honest with you, I... I I receive Christmas cards and, and I just start thinking sometimes because number one, my wife just gets under my skin about this. Where is she? She here? Good. Stays right here. My wife, for the last few months, there she is, <laughs> has been begging me to book an appointment to have family pictures taken. And then you start receiving these little Christmas cards with these families. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And each one of them is a reminder, you did not book the appointment. You did. Look at this picture. Oh, they look so nice. Look at the little one. Oh, my gosh. That could be Zion. And, and, and it's like these cute pictures where they're all wearing blue jeans and white shirts or something. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And these cards are being sent around. And it's like, you know, it has this cheery Christmas greeting. Merry Christmas. Have a great year. God's blessing us. It's awesome. Isn't it, isn't it good? I wish Christmas was Christmas all the time. Buddy, the elf. You'll get that later. And I look at the pictures and the Christmas greeting, and I can't help but think, how many people receive that card and see these beautiful families? And this is the season that reminds them that my wife is not here anymore. I was on Facebook, a dear brother of mine posted a, a, a post that, that just like broke my heart. Because last year, she was here, but she was suffering, and they prayed and prayed, and, and nothing happened. So even with these great Christmas cards, there's so much pain that's magnified in so many people. And then I read the next text. The good news is, for unto you, everyone say you. you. Go ahead and say me. me. It's personal. He doesn't say for unto the world. He says unto Emily, unto Tyler, and to Maurice. Unto, unto you, man, unto you, Chris, unto you personally is born this day. Not, not, not any ordinary day, but this day. Something has cataclysmically shifted in your entire existence. Unto you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That right there is a mouthful. What, he, what he's saying is this, that uh, unto you is born not a teacher who can teach you about your sin and how to get and have a better life. Not a philosopher who can give you ideas that you can kind of go and sort out on your own. Not an example that shows you how to live life but can't give you any solutions to your life. Unto you is born a savior, someone who takes care of the sin problem. The spotless lamb of God has been born to once and for all cover the sins of all people. And he is Christ, the anointed one, the Lord who is God. 
This changes everything. This is the greatest announcement in all of the history of the earth from Eve. Eve was given the first gospel. She said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And from that moment on, humanity waited for this seed of this woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And now the angels have said, this has happened in this city. It's reality. It's reality. It's, it's, it's real. And it goes on and says, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I, I read that and I think to myself, mm, okay, how is that a sign for me? Number one, I've been to Chino. Anybody else been to Chino? You park your car, you open your, your, your door, and immediately, <laughs> the fragrance of Chino hits you. It's like, whoa. Was that you? No, that wasn't me. That's the air out here. I can only imagine what the fragrance of the manger was. I, you remember back in the days when people used to get Air Force Ones? Some of you still get Air Force Ones. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a big deal if you scuffed your shoes and got them a little dirty. You remember that? I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, right? And then you see guys just kind of clean, just making sure it's got that nice, crisp white, you know? Going to the manger, for most of us, would mean that we have to kind of go and find our dirty clothes in order to assimilate to the environment says, this will be the sign for you, shepherds, who are the lowest of the lowest. The message of the gospel isn't that God's up here and you must ascend to him. It is that God has descended to the lowest of the lowest. And so therefore, when you enter into his presence, the sign for you is that you can just walk in and be in his presence. You can just enter in. You don't have to go and clean yourselves up, shepherds. You won't find this baby that's been born, this Christ, the anointed one who's been born in the city of David, the, the, the one who's saving the sins of the world, the one that we've been waiting for. You won't find him in a cashmere blanket made by Louis Vuitton. You won't find him at the presidential suite at the Mission Inn. You won't find him surrounded by, by all the trappings of luxury and everything that a king deserves, you're going to find him in a place that every single person on this planet probably is going to have to humble themselves and get low because God got low. Yeah. Reminds me of a song, get low, get low, that's right. <laughs> you have to get low. Why did he choose the shepherds? Psalm 149 verse 4 says he adorns the humble with salvation. The way that you experience God and experience his salvation, you must recognize that he came low. And sometimes you have to get low. Humble yourself and receive him. 
text goes on and says that these shepherds saw the angels and the multitudes sing glory to God in the highest and a multitude of angels joined in and they had a praise party. Sort of like the same party that Luke chapter 15 says takes place in heaven whenever someone comes to the Lord. The same type of party took place on earth when, when, when these angels who've been waiting for ages and ages as to how will this sin problem be taken care of on this planet and they see it in front of their face. They lose their minds. They lose it all. They lose all the abandonment that they have and they worship God. And the shepherds say, let us go to Bethlehem. And when they get there, the text says that they made it known all that they had seen. My challenge to you this morning, let's make it known. Let's make it known that in order to fix our broken world, Jesus entered our brokenness. Let's make it known that Christmas is not exclusive to the special people. It's for everyone. Let's make it known that this is good news for all people. Let's make it known that he came to once and for all take care of the sin problem. Let's make it known that you don't have to fix yourself up to enter his presence. 